less like me and being more of Jesus. You know, in the book of John, there's a story about a custom that happens at dinner parties. You see, most people walked around in those days wearing sandals, okay, because the streets and you know were all dirt. And if you were going to a dinner party, well, the host of the dinner party would arrange to have a, like a foot washer type of person, okay, someone that would actually kneel down, uh, help their guests take off their sandals, and just have a basin. They would pour water in it, and they would wash the person's feet. Because you see, in ancient times, why they did this was that people reclined at tables. So your feet were going to be in someone's face, okay? So the custom was widely done, called foot washing, for just that reason. The book of John tells us that, uh, well, Jesus is having this dinner party with his 12 followers. Well, and everything's been arranged. But when they walk into the room, okay, there's no foot washer guy anywhere, okay? Well, now who's going to get down on the knees? You got the 12, all right, here's Jesus in there. Who's going to get down and do the nasty job of washing somebody's feet? Well, you know, the text doesn't exactly say this, but I was just wondering, you know, if maybe one of the disciples are thinking to himself, if you think I'm going to get on my knees and wash Peter's feet, hey, no way that's going to happen. Or maybe somebody else going, hey, wait a minute, wait, wait, wait. I was one of the early chosen ones. It shouldn't be me. I just picture them all kind of, you know, standing around, kind of with their arms crossed. It's not going to happen, man. Okay, I don't wash feet. This is, below, this is beneath me. Well, you know, I was at a party recently, and there was a large group of people gathered in the kitchen. Well, someone was telling a story, moved their arm, knocked a whole glass of wine out of the hand. It fell to the floor, tile floor. Fortunately, it was a plastic wine <laughs> goblet, okay? But you, can, you know the mess, right? And just for a few seconds, everyone in the kitchen kind of backed up around the scene of the accident. And they just kind of stood there. And now they're wondering, I'm sure they're wondering, oh, well, I would imagine the guy who bumped the woman that knocked the drink out of the hand, that should be the person that should get down and clean up the mess, right? You would think that's what would happen. And I'm sure the woman's like, hey, wait a minute, he bumped me. I shouldn't have to go down and clean up that mess. And, hey, by the way, where's the host of the party? Let them clean it up. Well, Mary and I just happened to be right there when it happened. Fortunately, it didn't splash up on us, but we quickly got some paper towels, and we just quickly cleaned up the mess. But I got to tell you, there was a few awkward moments. Maybe you've been in a situation somewhat similar to that. See, so we're led to believe at this dinner party with Jesus and his followers, no one is going to do the foot washing. So this is how the story goes. John 13, 4. So Jesus got up from supper. He laid his outer garments aside. He took a towel and he tied it around himself. So obviously we learn right off the bat from the story, the disciples, not one of them, lowered themselves to go around and clean anybody's feet. I'd rather sit with my dirty feet in your face than bothering to clean. Well, the story goes, Jesus gets up from the reclined position after the food's been served, and it's in progress, okay? He takes off his outer cloak as a servant boy would. He pours a jug of water, he gets on his hands and knees, and he starts washing the grimy feet of his followers, and all I could think of, can you imagine 
how quiet the room must have gotten. Can you imagine, just for a moment, how embarrassing that moment might have been and how embarrassing it would have been when Jesus got to Peter's feet or John's feet. But you see, Jesus was demonstrating a willingness to do for them what they were not willing and obviously too proud to do for them, to do for others. Because when he finishes with the last disciple, he's standing there. He's got a filthy towel, the water basin, it's all full of muddy water. And he says these words to his disciples. Do you know what I've done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're correct, for so I am. So if I, the Lord and teacher, washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I gave you an example that you also would do as I did for you. Because he says, truly, truly, I say to you, a slave is not greater than his master, nor is the one who sent greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, you're blessed if you do them. Let me just point out a couple points here. Jesus calls every one of his followers to acts of kindness, to acts of servanthood, like foot washing. He says, look, I want this, this example that I'm showing you guys, I want this to be typical of people who bear my name, who say they're Jesus followers. I want you to be identified from all the rest of the people in society as those who are not willing to do what normal, pride-filled people are always unwilling to do, to look beyond their own petty circumstances, social status, their titles, positions, my wants, my desires. He says, I'm calling every one of my followers to take up the towel. I'm calling you to simple acts of kindness, of service, like opening doors for each other, like sharing the remote control, like offering to help out around the house or the office or classroom that, that's, that would be uncharacteristic and unexpected by other people kind of watching. Let me give you an example. The other day, Mary and I went to Macy's, you know, right here at the mall. I dropped Mary off at the curb because the wind was blowing. I didn't want her hair to get messed up, you know, so I dropped her off there. Well, after I dropped her off, I parked the car, and I started to head in. Now, if you've been to the store, there's two sets of doors, okay? You got your first outside door you walk in, and then you got the inside door, right? Well, I went through the first door. And as I was getting ready to go through the second door, this old kind of gruffy, old guy comes up behind me. So I just held the door open for him. Well, he walks past me and he goes, Jesus, blankety blank, what service around here? (sighs) Now, I can't condone his profanity, but I thought to myself, he has no idea how he associated my opening the door for him with Jesus Christ. (laughs) I said, man, this guy's a prophet. He doesn't even know it. (laughs) You see, what Jesus was doing, Jesus' point was this, friends. If you're a follower of mine, you're going to look for opportunities to do practical, kind, service-oriented things for one another. You know, Jesus ends his remark with this, and I love this. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. If you do these things... You're blessed. Jesus is making a promise here. 
See, don't miss this. Those who serve people in practical ways become the recipients of God's blessings, his sovereign blessing and favor. Supernatural things will be released around in your life. Something good will come your way. God's divine favor will fall on those who just take up the towel and live in a way that Jesus just demonstrated his whole three years as he was in his ministry. So here's the question for all Christ followers here today. Do you actually believe it? (laughs) Do you actually believe that? Do you actually believe? Do you know, other than Jesus Christ, Solomon was considered the smartest guy who ever lived. In the book of Ecclesiastes, we read Solomon during one period of his life basically said this. He goes, I'm done with the towel-bearing thing. I'm done serving others. It's going to be all about me, okay? Uh, So it's all about me from now on. And this is how it starts in Ecclesiastes 2.4. He says, I built houses for myself. I planted vineyards for myself. Obviously, he was able to grow his own, make his own wine, right? Then he says, I made gardens and parks for myself, and I planted in them all kinds of fruit trees. I made ponds of water for myself from which to irrigate a forest of growing trees. Hey, everybody needs their own park, their own botanical garden. Is he done? Not yet. You see, when you get on this self-gratification train, you rarely stop. You just want more. So he goes on. Then I bought male and female slaves. I had slaves born at my home. I also possessed flocks and herds larger than all who preceded me in Jerusalem. I also amassed for myself silver and gold in the treasures of kings and provinces. Has he finished yet? No, here's still more. You ready? Here he goes. And I provided for myself male and female singers too. Do you understand what he actually was just saying right there in that statement? You know what he's saying there? He didn't go to Pandora and play some music. He brought in rock bands, the drummers, the vocalists, the whole things. He didn't attend the opera. He brought the opera to him inside of his home. And after that, the text said he, after that, the text said he bought a harem. I don't even know how to comment on that. <laughs> Only that if he gave them all credit cards, he really was one of the wealthiest men that ever lived. And then Ecclesiastes 2.10 says, All that my eyes desired, I did not refuse them. I mean, that's almost unbelievable, isn't it? Think about it. Anything you want, anything you want. It didn't matter. Whatever it was I wanted, I got it. To have the opportunity and the resources to be able to deny yourself nothing. Well, let's read together the very next verse. If you've never read it before, you should have this underlined in your Bible. If you didn't bring your Bible today when you get home, pull this back up on the Internet and underline this, Ecclesiastes 2.11. So I considered all my activities, which my hands had done, and the labor which I had exerted, and behold, all was futility and striving after wind. There was no benefit under the sun. Another translation says it like this. And when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. It was all like chasing the wind. Nothing was really gained under the sun. You see, Solomon summarized all his attempts 
at finding life's meaning, chasing after the wind. And all of our accomplishments, friends, even the big ones, our good feelings of security and self-importance, you know what? They're all temporary, right? I mean, they're all temporary. Think about what you consider worthwhile in your life right now. Just think for a second. Where do you place your time? Where do you place your energy? Where do you place your money? Will you one day look back and decide that these things too? You know, I'm just chasing the wind here. Because you see, that's how the kingdom of earth works. We're encouraged to give our one and only life to self-gratification. We all have. Your children, your grandchildren, your spouses, your friends, all of us have been fed the lie through the various forms of media, television, magazines, you know, large corporations, your social media that you're looking at, all they, they've imprisoned us into believing, telling us that we'll be happy and fulfilled by self-gratification. They tell us what designer to wear, what car to drive. Got to have that right insignia. What neighborhood do you want to live in? Let me, let me ask you, do you think Visa or MasterCard, American Express cares about your family at all? I know you're thinking, oh, sure, well, they keep upping my credit limit, <laughs> okay? And they're telling me what a great customer I am. They are more happy to keep us in bondage to their plastic cards and telling you that that next purchase is going to make you happy. You see, just like what Solomon found, we found that the lie that says that our self-worth and our security and our satisfaction is wrapped up in our stuff. So what's the answer? You know, what will bring me self-worth and security and satisfaction then if I can't surround myself with some good stuff? Well, I think it's exactly what Jesus told us earlier. It goes against everything. I'm telling you, it goes against everything you have been taught in this world. I'm telling you. When Jesus came, he turned this world upside down. So let me ask everyone here, how is the world system actually doing right now? Are you financially more secure today? than you were last year? Are your marriages lasting longer? Is our environment better off than it was 50 years ago? Is our security from terrorism or foreign aggression less today? Are there less homeless in this valley than there was a year ago? Are you satisfied with your life choices? So what's the answer to all this? Friends, it's the kingdom of God. It's following the teaching and the example of Jesus. It all boils down to the towel. I know some of you probably don't like that solution. You don't like that answer. Paul, there's got to be something else besides serving. God, come on, that, what, are you kidding? Isn't there some other way? There isn't, okay? Your self-worth your security, your satisfaction will come from acting on the promises that Jesus talked about and serving others. Your life will be deeply and greatly blessed. So I ask you, at this point in your life, what are you banking on? And gosh, I sure hope it isn't the stock market. What are you banking on? Because you got a choice to make. And it's one of the most serious choices that any of us make. 
with the highest implications of what's going to happen in the future. I want to challenge every one of you, take up the towel. Just try it. If, you've never, if it's been a while since you got out and looked around for someone else in need, try it. Go down the road well, and just see what God does. All I can do as a teacher, all I can do as a leader is to bring God's word to you, then just give you a challenge. And then it's between you and God what the heck you do with it. So many people think the only real reason Jesus came to earth was to die on the cross. And maybe you're one of them listening here on the internet or here in the room. The truth is, Jesus' death on the cross was just part of one part of his mission. His overall mission was to be a kingdom bringer. In Matthew 6, we find people speaking, we find Jesus speaking to people like us. I mean, they, they believe in God, but are tempted to waste their life on things like, what am I going to eat? What am I going to drink? What am I going to wear? What kind of job am I going to get? How much money am I going to make? How big of a house can I afford? Will I be successful? What kind of title will I earn? Everything's about our own little kingdom. But Jesus says this, For the Gentiles eagerly search, seek all these things. Your heavenly Father knows that you need these. He's like, what are you guys doing? You see, the irony is many Christians don't really understand Jesus' gospel. And they end up, for all practical purposes, spending their lives running after the same things that the people who don't know God run after. Oh, man. They spend their whole lives running after the same things that people that don't know God. Jesus says, here's the answer. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be provided to you. He said, look, don't we? He said, look, God's going to take care of it. Nothing can interrupt your life in the kingdom, okay? You're in his care. Jesus' one plan for his people was to extend the kingdom of God. For God so loved the world, not just me. Yet the tragic truth is this. There's millions of people today that couldn't even tell you truly what the kingdom is really all about. So in close, let me just paint a picture. Imagine a society where people get on magazine covers and social media not because they're prettier than others or they're richer than others or they're more powerful, but because they humble themselves. Imagine being part of a community where people are constantly on the lookout for anybody who feels lonely or rejected. How about where nobody looks unattractive because, the, because their eyes have learned to see what God sees? Imagine being part of a community when the only gossip and rumors that fly around are about people's secret virtues that they're actually better than you thought they were. Hey, don't tell anybody. I told you this, but I think your husband's being faithful to you. Whoa! Huh? Imagine being part of a community where no one ever has an anxious thought because everybody lives with utter serenity, security, confidence, 
So finally, you know, Jesus stated this in Matthew 5.13. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the salt of the earth. Those of us that are Christ followers are kingdom bringers. We have the opportunity to get it to sprinkle among those that God puts in us the good news. We add salt to the world. What does salt do to your food? It makes it taste better, right? The food, it just, just tastes wonderful. We encourage them that life is so much more than what they see going on around them. Jesus said, but if the salt, that's, again, you and me, loses its flavor, well, how shall the world be seasoned? How shall the world be exposed to the kingdom of God? How would your children or your grandchildren or your great-grandchildren or your friends, how would they ever be exposed to the world if we lose our saltiness, our willingness to want to make their life better by serving them in whatever way God calls us to serve them? Pick up the phone, call them. Hey, I just want to call just tell you we love you. We're sorry the stuff you're going through. Hey, I hear you need some help financially. Stop by the house, drop off a check, whatever, what, whatever it is. But if you lose the saltiness, well, then they never get to taste the kingdom. If our actions don't show, Jesus stated, you know, if, 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 if you don't, if your saltiness goes away, well, it's good, you're, it's good for nothing now. It's just going to get trampled underfoot by the world around us. The world's just going to step on it. Our families and neighbors will never know the flavor of the kingdom of God. So let me just close with what I mentioned just a few minutes ago. I want to challenge every one of you, okay? I want you. I hope you understand what I mean by picking up the towel now. I want you to pick it up. I want you to make that phone call that you go, oh, if I call that person, I'm going to be on the phone for an hour. If God puts it on your heart, pick up the phone. Oh, I don't want to golf with that guy, you know, or that woman, you know, oh, geez, you know, they don't, I know they fudge the score, <laughs> you know. But could you be an example to them? Should you pick up the towel and be a part? Inviting someone to your home that you don't know real well and you're not so sure you would get along together. But, you know, you feel in your heart because, you know, they could use you. Do you have a neighbor who's sick? Maybe someone who's not doing well? Uh, yeah, you don't know them real well, but, you know, a knock at the door and just say, I heard you haven't been doing well. You know, you just picked up the towel. Just want to let you know my wife and I or yourself, you know, we're just down the street, you know. Well, can we pray for you? I had someone the other day who said uh, they were sick, and I said, well, uh, how about I pray for you? And they said, well, you know, I don't believe in that. I said, that's okay, I do. I want to encourage you, okay? I want to encourage you as your pastor, and I want to encourage you as a leader here in this church and give you that challenge. It will change your life, just like Jesus said, I promise a blessing in your life. You're going to be blessed by the lives that you took those few minutes out, that phone call, stopping by the house, making cookies and dropping them off, whatever it is, opening the door for some gruffy old guy at the mall, because <laughs> you never know how God's going to use that moment in your life.
And all I want, and all I know, Pastor Jeff and all the leaders here at Church at the Red Door, they want nothing more than for all of you to be fulfilled, to feel the security and the hope that comes from Jesus Christ. And friends, it's as simple as Jesus says, just pick up the towel. So Father, I want to thank you for today. I want to thank you for your word. Father, give us eyes to see and ears to hear where you're working, Lord, and help us to get out of the way. Father, help us to be your hands and feet, Lord, to realize, and, and Father, I say this mostly for my prayer, for myself, help it to be less of me and more like you. And all of God's people said, amen. God bless you guys. Have a great day. Thank you.